Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to take a look at the study of the church uh, that we call ecclesiology, the study of the church. So in other words, what is the church? Who is the church? What is the function of the church? Is the concept of the church biblical? What encompasses this term that we use called church? If you didn't grow up in church, it's difficult at times to fully understand some of the terms that church people use. So if I am a a new person who doesn't have a background in Christian experiences, would I fully understand what the church is all about? It behooves us to know what the Bible says the church is versus what others are saying the church should be all about. The world has its own ideology in reference to the church. They have their own expectation of what the church should be and not be. In many circles, um, they want churchgoers to keep their faith private. And when they're in the public arena to be silent, ironically, they don't do the same. Uh, Those that are critical of the church would like for churchgoers to be silent. But that's a whole nother episode. What I like to talk about on this episode is an introduction to the church, ecclesiology, the study of the church. And in digging through the scriptures, Uh, we'll see that God already has a perception of the church that he wants his followers to adopt. God already has a standard for the church that he's already laid out for the believer. God already has a philosophy for the church uh, that he wants his followers to adopt. So um, when we talk about church, we ought to be careful that we don't confuse church with human tradition. Some human traditions uh, done in the name of God and his church are not biblical. So we need to be careful uh, and, and we need to be certain that whatever we are doing in the name of the church has reinforcement in scripture. So let's get started with this concept of the church. Um, I didn't grow up automatically knowing what the church is all about. And again, um, let's not confuse denominations with the church. Uh, Denominations brings with it its own idiosyncrasies. It brings with it its own cultural normatives. 
denominations brings brings with it its own uh, human biases. So it's important as a believer, as a Christian, that you grab hold onto the global concept of the of the church, meaning the biblical perception or the biblical parameters of the church, which binds or hold us accountable as believers globally. And when we look at the church from a global perspective, it helps us to uh, lay aside any of our cultural biases that we may have adopted because we are growing up in a certain culture. Uh, Some people would say, uh, if you want to be a true Christian, you have to wear this type of outfit. If you want to be a true Christian, you have to eat this type of food. If you want to be a true Christian, you have to make this amount of money. If you want to be a true Christian, you have to exhibit this type of charisma, meaning you have to have these type of spiritual gifts. And the, uh, this having these gifts is evidence that you are a true Christian. And uh, that's not necessarily the case. That's not necessarily the case. Um, we need to be careful that we're not bringing our own biases to the passage, our own biases to the scripture. The question at hand is, what is God's view of the church? So we've used the term ecclesi- um, ecclesi- ecclesiology, I'm sorry, um, which means the study of the church. And the question is, what is the church? The church is a group of baptized believers who endeavor to follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is my definition. Uh, There's different ways to define the church, but uh, essentially the church is a group of baptized believers who endeavor to follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so it's very important that we keep that in mind, that the church is a group of baptized believers who endeavor to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. So as we move forward, uh, that word uh, ecclesiology that we just mentioned uh, comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means assembly or the called out ones. Uh, According to scripture, the church is, uh, is... are those uh, that have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. So we're not saying that the church is the building. That'll be a mistake. I know we reference uh, in many cases that um, I'm going to church. And we use that in our colloquial um, mindset. Uh, Oh, I just came from church. And Many people have unfortunately confused the brick and mortar with the actual church. The church is not, let me repeat, the church is not the address where you worship. The church is not the uh, physical construction, the building that you worship in. Uh, We can call that a worship center. Uh, We can call that a tabernacle. Uh, You can call the building whatever you want. But in Western society, uh, we've confused the church with the building. And that's not uh, a biblical way to look at the church. The church is you. You are the church. You the Christian. You are the heartbeat of God's church. 
God sees the church as you, not the building, not the instruments, not the pulpit. God sees you as the church, which is interesting. Uh, and it's a little bit different than the view that we have in the Old Testament, where um, you, you have the idea of the tabernacle. You have the idea of the temple. Uh, and those were physical uh, constructs. But in the New Testament, um, the writers use the imagery of the physical construct and repurpose it for um, God's revelation for us. So let me give you an example. Um, it, New Testament talks about um, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Here it is in the New Testament, that reference of us being a temple. So we are the sacrifice that God wants, not the bullocks, not the oxen, not uh, the food, but God wants us. And if God has our heart, then he can do some great and mighty things through us for the benefit of our homes, for the benefit of our community, for the benefit of the place that we go and work and, and gain income. God wants us. He wants us first. And if God has us, if he, once God uh, is in control of our lives, then automatically the uh, offering uh, comes into effect. Automatically, because he has us, love comes into effect. Automatically, because he has us, outreach comes into effect. So when God has a man or woman's heart, that man or woman has the passion and desire to carry out God's will. Why? Because they are part of God's church. The word ecclesia, again, means assembly or the called out once, called out once, called out from among the heathens, called out from among the worldly, called out from among the secular, called out from among the people that are living by uh, sight and not by faith. So God has called all Christians out of where they were found to be a blessing for kingdom building. So we are the church. We are the church. I can't reemphasize that enough. We are the church. So according to the scripture, the church is not the brick and mortar, but the saints, the believers. We are the church. Romans 16 and 5. It says, greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. So here Paul is uh, letting us know that there is a distinction between the church and the place of worship. So when he says, greet also the church that meets at their house, he's talking about the group of believers who meet at their house. The house is the brick and mortar. So there's a distinction there. Romans 16 and 5. Greet also the church. That's the believers that meets at their house. The house is the place of worship. So I don't mean to mess up your theology. I don't mean to mess up your tradition. But the reminder to all of us is that we are the church according to God. And the place that we worship is distinct. It's another thing. The place that we worship 
all the beautiful pews, all the beautiful chairs, all the beautiful altars, all the beautiful pulpits, all of the great instruments uh, that's within that place of worship. All of that is good, but it's not the church. We are the church. So let's first take a look at the church body. According to the Bible, there's a church body. And God has given us, uh, in terms of the church body, meaning those that are part of the church, those that make up the church, God has given us, when we read the scriptures, uh, offices or officers. And these are leaders of the church. So if I didn't know anything about the church and I came into the church, I would notice that there are people doing different things and people fulfilling different roles. When I first started going to church, um, I saw the man behind the uh, podium, and he seemed to uh, almost be like the master of ceremonies because he was giving orders. He was uh, bringing the message. uh, He was uh, giving the announcement. So that particular person had position of prominence. And so when, uh, when I came into church, I was immediately influenced by the music. The music was very impactful. The music was captivating. Uh, the music singing the glory of the Lord uh, motivated me and wanted me to hear more about God and motivated me to hear more about Christ himself. And then I saw a group of people that were in uniforms, and uh, they were called the ushers. So uh, that also intrigued me. I've never seen that before. So uh, as as I continue to observe at at the church that I visited, I also saw a group of men sitting in the front, and I learned that they were deacons. Um, At the same time, I I saw a group of people uh, collecting the money from the offering and the tithes, and uh, they put it in a basket, and they went into this room, and I learned that they were the trustees. Uh, so I, 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 there were different officers in the church that I've never been acquainted with before. And so um, the more I went to church, the more that I picked up, the more that I was taught. But uh, eventually, what matters is me going to the scriptures for myself to make sure that uh, what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've touched is actually biblical. And that's what we all need to do. We need to make sure that uh, whenever we encounter something, we go back to Scripture and test the Spirit by the Spirit. So, in terms of the Scriptures, we learn that God has given us different offices, different uh, positions. And the first position uh, is God has given us uh, apostles. And this word, uh, this name, this title, apostle, means one that is sent, one that is sent out on a mission. Uh, Luke 6 and 13, it talks about uh, or mentions apostleship. Luke six thirteen says, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designed as apostles. That's Luke 6.13. So automatically, we learn from Luke, there's a position called apostles. Uh, Then we look at Acts 16 and 4. 
Acts 16 and 4 says, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. Uh, That passage in Acts 16 and 4 gives us two two types of information. Number one, uh, there are uh, a group of people called the apostles, as well as elders. We'll deal with that later. But we learn from Acts 16 and 4, there's a group of Christians called the apostles and then uh, uh, elders. So that's number one. Number two, we learn a little bit about the, uh, the polity of, of the first century church, uh, meaning that uh, there was a governance established. So even the uh, apostles um, were not, even with that great position, they were not alone. They had to report back to the Jerusalem church or the Jerusalem council. Um, they were connected to the Jerusalem home church. It didn't matter how far they went to preach or teach. They were held accountable, held accountable. As Christians, we need somebody to hold us accountable. And if you are a pastor, you need a pastor. You need someone to report to. You need someone to hold you accountable. Uh, if you are uh, an officer, you need someone to hold you accountable. This is the whole reason why uh, certain ministers are licensed. Uh, the, the, the church or the uh, organization, the church organization, give the minister a license in order to perform their duties, number one. Number two, to hold them accountable. So if they betray the uh, covenants of that particular denomination or if they, um, if they break the covenant, meaning the doctrinal covenants that the church has established, that church has the power and authority to revoke that minister's license. So they're held accountable. There should not be any Christian uh, who, who find themselves in a position where they, they, they're not reporting to uh, uh, someone else. Uh, it's this dangerous thing for a Christian to be out there on their own, doing their own thing, without any accountability. Every believer needs uh, a Silas. Every believer needs a Timothy. Every believer needs an Aquila and Priscilla. So it's important that we don't live our lives unto ourselves without any accountability. Ephesians 4.11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So again, here's that group of people called the apostles again. So in terms of apostleship, I don't have a lot of time to spend on uh, this whole um, doctrine of apostleship. Uh, we'll do, do that on another episode. But in terms of apostleship, this is what the Bible says. And I, I understand that there are some individuals in today's culture who believe that they can also make themselves an apostle um, by repurposing the title. And I believe that that's inconsistent with Scripture. But again, this is a periphery doctrine. We don't have to fall out over it. But this is what the Scriptures tell us about the qualifications of an apostle. Number one, an apostle must have seen the risen Christ, 1 Corinthians 9 and 1. An apostle must have seen the risen Christ, 1 Corinthians 9 and 1. Then, 
an apostle, because uh, they were apostles, admit, uh, they were to administer signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Ghost, which we see in Acts 2, 43, 2 Corinthians 12 and 12. So God did some things uh, through the apostles uh, that he's not going to do uh, through Christians today. Why? Because the third thing, that brings me to my third point, the apostles that God called, uh, the 11 and then uh, the additional of the 12, um, they were to establish the foundation of the church. So God did some miraculous work through the first century apostles uh, to establish the church, the foundation. The foundation has already been established. So this is why I argue that there aren't any more apostles. Uh, the apostles were the uh, first century Christians whom God called to be, to be apostles. Uh, there's nothing in Scripture that says that God is um, giving us a new office of apostleship. So I'm just trying to be consistent with what we see in Scripture. So in terms of um, the, the first century apostles, we did say, right, that they must have seen the risen Christ, that they, mu- uh, that they must have um, administered signs and wonders by the aid of the Holy Ghost, and, to, and then thirdly, to establish the foundation of the church. Uh, there were things, again, that the apostles did through signs and wonders, uh, such as um, being able to heal individuals with handkerchiefs, right? That was a one-time event uh, with the apostles, um, meaning that this was done in the first century for a specific reason, for a specific group of people. Now, can God heal uh, through us? Yes. Uh, can God, uh, if he decides to uh, heal someone uh, by the aid of instruments, uh, can God do that? Yes, he can do that. But we need to be careful that we're not going around making certain things prescriptive when they're only descriptive. We need to be careful that we're not um, making statements that's inconsistent with hermeneutics, with the sound uh, interpretation of the Scripture. So God does give us apostles. And then um, as we get to the prophecies, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the apostles' unique ability to make proclamations on behalf of God for future events. Well, it's uh, upon us again. We have to conclude our episode for today. Time went by very quickly. But join us uh, for the remainder of these episodes as we unpack the doctrine of the church, the study of the church. Um, it's, it's a very interesting and informative uh, doctrine. So uh, I, I know just going through it, I was edified, and I pray that this information edifies you as well. As always, uh, we thank you all for your prayers. Um, if you have questions or topics you want us to talk about on the show, please uh, contact us, and uh, we'll do our best to include that uh, into our, um, our subject matters. And if you desire to uh, support us financially, uh, please go online to srministries.org, or you can write uh, a check to Sound Reason Ministries, P.O. Box 582-306, El Grove, California, 95758. And remember, 
to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.